Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. We are a weekly Columbus-centric podcast focusing on the civics, lifestyle, entertainment, and people of our city. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. This week, I sat down with Peggy Crea Dye, the General and Artistic Director of Opera Columbus, to talk about this weekend's production of Orfe, running April 20th through 22nd at the Southern Theater. We talked about her beginnings as a singer, how she came to call Central Ohio home, and the unique opportunities for collaboration and growth inherent in the Columbus performing arts scene. You can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Also, the Confluence Cast is on Patreon. Find out how to support this podcast on our website, theconfluencecast.com, or at patreon.com slash confluence. The Confluence Cast is sponsored by Art Makes Columbus, Columbus Makes Art, featuring stories about our city's incredible artists, stories full of inspiration, challenge, passion, and success. For videos, articles, an up-to-the-minute calendar of events, and an artist directory, visit columbusmakesart.com the resource for all things arts and culture in the capital city. Enjoy the interview. Sitting down here with Peggy Crea Dye, the General and Artistic Director of Opera Columbus. Peggy, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Thank you so much for coming in. We're sitting down here on the occasion of your upcoming show, Orfe. Give me the full pronunciation of the title. The full pronunciation is Orfe Eudidis, but we just call it Orfe. It's easy. It is. It's easier than it looks. Good. (laughs) Give us sort of the the general overview of Opera Columbus, what you guys, you've been around since 1981, is that right? Yes. So the company has a deep history here in, in Columbus. It's brought up some of the biggest stars in opera history have come through here. And just like all industries, it's had good times and bad times. Okay. And about seven years ago now, which I can't believe, we came across one of those challenging times when the economy was also challenging. And the opera at that point artistically went away. Okay. Kappa, Columbus Association for the Performing Arts, absorbed the company. Okay. And let go of everything that was old Opera Columbus and started it brand new. And that's when I came on board. Because you guys used to have the space uh, by Ballet Met, correct? That's right. On Naughton Street, they yeah. had their offices. Okay. So, And they've used theaters all throughout the city. And now we're branching out, but mainly we're at the Southern Theater. Gotcha. Gotcha. And what is your background? What brought you to Opera Columbus? So my skill is I'm an opera singer. That's my skill. Okay. And I, I've done that for the last almost 30 years professionally. And about the time that Kappa took on the opera company here, they brought in operas the way they do the Broadway series from oh, out of town. Okay. And one of the first shows they brought in, in fact, the first show they brought in was this Mozart opera out of Toronto and that company hired me as a singer and said hey we're gonna tour to Columbus Ohio and I was like you're not gonna believe this but I actually live in Columbus Ohio because I had moved here maybe four years previously okay and And we're a professional opera singer so you were doing 
you were a working singer, so you were being was, taken to different places to work. Right. I, I had my own little path to the airport, and okay. I would go be an opera singer wherever I was called to be. And then when I was in Columbus, I actually kind of hibernated a little bit because I was raising my kids. Okay. So I went from, you know, soccer practice to the airport back to, you know, crafts. How old <laughs> Were you, so you took a little break, obviously, I only asked this as a father, you, yeah. you took a little break when your kids were born, right? I kind of did not. Okay. That. I took a How two did that month work? break. How did that work? It was, uh, looking back now, you know, I, I'm thinking that was pretty foolish. Uh, okay. In the performing arts, once you stop or slow down, it's really hard to gain the momentum. So for yeah. me, that was never an option. I always assumed I would be having to travel with kids. So it wasn't a big barrier for me. I just was what I accepted would be our lives. And that's how it's always been. So I traveled with my kids in tow and a nanny. And oh, they, wow. they got to go see. They still get to go travel and see places. So it's, it's a different kind of life. And so <laughs> for clarity, back to it, Kappa acquired the company because of they weren't sustainable as an organization at that point. Yes. And under the... Uh, this was just a choice, not a good one or a bad one, under the, the guise of Opera Columbus was bringing in touring opera productions because, frankly, that's, well, logistically easier yes. and cheaper, probably, yes. than mounting and, the productions themselves. Right. And CAP is not a producing company. They're right. a presenting company. So they needed to act really quickly. Mm -hmm. So to take a product that was already finished mm -hmm. made a lot of sense to keep the Opera Columbus season going at that time, I think, was the reasoning. So I came, you know, they asked me if I would hire a local chorus because that was the request. Uh-huh. Which is a question I actually asked you right before yes. we said, like, do you guys have a resident company? I apologize for not knowing that. Yes. So Opera Land works a little differently. Ballet companies, you have your own troupe. Theater right. companies, often you have your own troupe. But Opera Land, which is why I said I had to be near an airport, it's so specific every show okay. that it's unreasonable to think you would be cast in every show because they're all so different from each other. But even the chorus, though? The chorus, not necessarily, but okay. sometimes. Well, not every opera has a chorus. Not every opera has a chorus. In fact, the one we're doing is a virtual chorus. You can actually... You know, right. We'll, we'll talk Which about Which we that. will get into in a moment. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, you can have a local chorus. And we, we do use a lot of the singers here to do small roles, big roles, depending. Mm -hmm. And chorus. So I got to know Columbus really quickly through those auditions. Yeah. And I got to know Kappa, and they asked me if I'd come on board and help start up this company again. Right. And I was not looking for another job or an opportunity like that, but it was so unique, and and I was really excited about that. Well, what an opportunity, yeah. right, to sort of build something back up that that you don't have to start from scratch, right? But you ha have the ability to tell that story of this is how this is going to go now. Oh, yes. We kind of did start from scratch, quite honestly, though. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we had a great board, but a lot of them left. And so it was starting all over again, which is so exciting because then we get to decide what is it going to be. What do we want this to look like? Right. When you say you guys are starting all over, I don't want to read too much into it, but there's... I know you guys do some rentals, right? Rentals of costumes, rentals of sets for performances, right? Meaning we rent? Yes. So that is typical of regional opera companies Okay. to go look around, shop around, say, okay, I'm going to do a Labo M. So who else is doing a Labo M that has a theater my size? No, but you also rent out things. 
assets right. as well, right? So that's what I was going to say. We're the ones that rent now. Oh. So we create a new production every show we do, which is unique for a regional company to take that on because it is a lot more work right. than renting a set. Right. But I imagine it's also a revenue stream for you guys. It's not great. Oh, Although, okay. hey, you know, feel free to rent our sets over and over and over and over. It we can be. It has potential to be. So we're just building up our stock. Mm-hmm. We store it and we advertise it. Mm-hmm. And we're about to launch a website about it. So it definitely has the potential for that, but it's not going to be a huge... That wasn't the goal. No, it was not the goal. The goal was to create original work mm-hmm. with our current mission. Got it. In mind. And to be clear, it's original productions of mostly pre-existing. Mostly pre-existing work. Right. right. Because Orfe is from... It's kind of old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hundreds of years ago. It's hundreds yeah. of years old. Yes. So you've been there for those full seven years, six years? Yes. Okay. In some capacity, like six titles later. Six titles yeah, later. here I am. How's it going? It's great. Okay. It truly is great. I feel like the company finally has a really clear mission. Okay. And we've got a board behind it. We've got a new brand out that explains it perfectly. Mm -hmm. We are involved in the city. We're involved in the industry now Mm -hmm. nationwide, internationally in in some respects. We're clearly living out this mission of helping emerging talent, giving mm-hmm. people a break. Now, how, what programming or work are you doing in order to do that? We are the only regional company that has a relationship with the Juilliard School. Okay. And so they have an advanced program. It's not a master's degree or undergrad degree. They, they take about nine singers or so for every year, possibly. And some of them are also in the Metropolitan Opera Young Artist Program. Okay. And it's this interesting time in their career. It's a two-year program, and a lot of them already know they're going off to Europe, or they're about to make their Met debut, or, you know, all of these. Their resume that says future engagements is quite insane. Okay. The previous engagements aren't as full. Okay. So they have been kind of anointed, and that's what I always say. I'm sure they would hate to hear that, but, (laughs) and trained to be at the highest level when they enter their career. This program for them is sort of the polish of like, you've proven that you can do this. Here's the last sort of bit of training you need. Yes. Or here's a safe haven for you to learn these roles Okay. that you're about to do. Or, you know, yes. I mean, they, they come there with an extraordinary gifts and talent. And it's kind of that is the last stop Okay. before a big career. Often you start a career and you build your way into it. These artists start at the top. Gotcha. And I, you've touched on it again, and because I, I think that I'm starting to understand why having a resident company isn't sort of mm-hmm. how at least a regional opera company any, would work. Any company. Any company. Yes, opera. So let's say you're picking out the season for next year, mm-hmm. and you're looking at the, you know, what, you five, six productions a year? Well, four, pretty two? Pretty soon, but right now we do three. Okay, three, for, <laughs> three productions a year. I would imagine there are only a couple of folks who can play certain roles. Well, by a couple of folks, it would mean hundreds. Okay. And hundreds. 
depending on exactly, there are some roles that are so specialized that maybe there's less than hundreds, but okay. I probably not. Talent is never the issue. Okay. And that's why I wish I could say I'm doing five or six productions because there's so many worthy singers out there. Okay. So, but you have, but a person who is able to do a certain role is probably not able to do many others, many others. Correct. That's what I mean. Yes. Okay. Got it. Correct. Unless you guys wanted to just stage the same productions every year. Yeah. Which there are certain ones you bring back every five, six years. Just okay. like, similar just to like, like Shakespeare Wicked in the Park. or, you right. know, yeah. You just keep bringing them back because that's what your audience adores. Right. Every, so. You know, Shakespeare in the Park is going to do Hamlet at least every eight years. Yes. Right. Which makes me happy. I like that. It's a good one. It's a good one. <laughs> it's a keeper. <laughs> what? Uh, how did you become a singer? I really guess I don't really know how I became one. I, I wasn't much. I wasn't very good at anything else. Okay. <laughs> I was. Uh, Where'd you grow up? I grew up in northern Minnesota. Okay. I wanted to teach elementary school music. I love kids. I love the idea of giving kids something else to be excellent at if mm-hmm. they're not excellent at math and science and and writing, even for that matter. So I was that kid. So I was very passionate about that. So blah blah blah. Went to college. And for that, and then my senior year of college, I had this voice teacher show up at St. Cloud State. Okay. I'm sure you're quite familiar. No. (laughs) It's an hour from where I grew up. Okay. Anyway, um, he landed there and he had this operatic career background. Okay. And he said, hey, you know, he heard me sing and I was in the choir and he said, I want to teach you. I want to train you. And I thought, well, who gets to take a voice lessons from an opera singer? I'm totally going to do that. This will be cool. Right. This will be cool. And it was. It was very cool. And I fell in love with the drama of the music. And, you know, opera singing is like you're on the edge of screaming. It's controlled screaming. Okay. In a lot of ways, it sounds like that. And it's so it's really dramatic. It's really heightened. And I fell in love with that. And then he encouraged me to go to a young artist program audition. So I went to Chicago first time on the road, doing something like that, uh-huh. got in, ended up in New York. And then I just thought, I'll go back and student teach as soon as this ball stops rolling and reality kicks in and it never I could stopped. only possibly do this for a little while. Yeah. Right. People don't really do this. Right. <laughs> and then I got invited to graduate school, a scholarship there. And then I went to Juilliard. I was in the very program oh. that we have the partnership with. Great. Which is a personal connection why we're back there. But then I went to San Francisco Opera, and then I people hired me, which was wonderful. Mm-hmm. And they kept doing that. So and so here we thus are. The career, yeah. Why? And, and so when you started at Opera Columbus, what was your role when you first? I was helping with their education program. Okay, which made sense to me. In, you, have, you know, you know, it's my background, passion, right? So I did that, and then. I was asked, could I help bring in some of these companies to fill in the season? Because you had worked with these companies before. Correct. Right. So I did. And then we started producing and we did it two years ahead of schedule as far as our strategic plan. Right. And now we're up to three and we have this partnership and we build all, we started to rent sets in the beginning and now we build them all and we in fact rent them to other companies. So... That's great. It's really cool. Talk a little bit more about the education programs. I know you guys do, you bring artists into schools. What all does that look like? So it goes along with our mission that as well, because 
we have this educational tour. It's called Opera Goes to School. Okay. And we do these children's operas that the kids can participate in if the schools choose. But the cast, the singers that go around and do these tours Mm -hmm. are Ohio State University students. Oh, okay. And they sign up for our class. And we audition them and cast them in these. And they get to do over 50 performances every spring. So they're getting performance experiences. The schools are getting exposed to an art form that most people don't know about, have no contact with. Right. So that's that. So these are vocal performance majors? Yes. Okay, in the School of Music? Right. Great, great. And they don't have... And are you guys teaching an opera program at Ohio State as no. well. So okay. they sign up for our class and then we bring them into our world. Your class is a performance class, Correct. basically. Yeah. Okay, got it. Our class is the working world got it. for opera. Got it. Yes. And then we also have the Juilliard students that come in, the Juilliard artists. Part of their experience here is that we arrange for them to go to the KIPP school mm-hmm. and they have a talk back kind of back and forth with these kids. They don't sing at them, okay? but they just become in as real people. And the questions are really interesting because for these artists, because they're, it's like, what was it like growing up? Why, you know, they, they become, you, you know, you wouldn't even know they're singers. How old are the, the people in the Juilliard program? They're early twenties. Okay. So they, ish. this is just post undergrad. Not a, it, it is, this is essentially graduate school for them. Pat, some of them have already done graduate school. Got it. It depends. Okay. Yeah, sorry. That's not a clear answer, but usually they're in their 20s. Got it. And then, so the KIPP kids get to know them as people. And I'm sorry, what's the, the KIPP program that you're referencing? So the KIPP school is an incredible charter school okay. that Columbus is really fortunate to have. And I know they're building a high school. They have a junior high elementary program. Okay. And it's, it's from what how I see it as, it's holistic care for these students. So they're getting taken care of in every capacity. And as you walk through the school, there are these banners of all these universities. Okay. And every class that goes through the KIPP school knows what they're graduating from college classes. Okay. So they're going in with the mindset of, I'm going to have a degree. I can have one too, regardless of my income okay. or my background. So it's a college preparatory program. For elementary, junior high, high school. That's interesting. Yes. Okay. Yes. And a lot of these kids are in for lottery, so they're under the poverty level. Right. And they walk into that environment, and they're taken care of, and they're allowed to dream, and they're expected to dream big. So it struck me walking through that school, there was not an artistic college. Okay. Like route. Yeah. And that kind of goes back to my whole thing. It bums me out because some kids, that's the only way they feel successful and important is an artistic side to them. It's back to what you said. Like you wanted to do music education because you wanted kids to have something they could be good at. Yes. Right. So how awesome these Juilliard artists comes there. They sit down, get to know them. Then we take all those kids and we bring them to the Southern Theater. Okay. They see a performance. After the performance, the same Juilliard artist walks up to the balcony and says, hey, guys, what would you think? And the point is these kids, these students get to see these are real people. Mm-hmm. This isn't untouchable. This isn't impossible. Right. And my dream would be there be a Juilliard banner someday in the kids' school. That's, that, my, that's my goal. That's a good goal. And I think <laughs> it's a reasonable one. Yes. So the folks that come in from the Juilliard program, they're not just doing that. I imagine a big part of it is sort of 
exposing them to this is what a regional theater experience is going to be like in your professional career. Yes, we treat them and we pay them and we take care of them. They're treated like the best artists in the industry. They're the rock stars that are coming in. They are the rock stars. Okay. And that's the environment there. They're not treated like a Juilliard student. But that's almost an education program in itself, right? Right. Okay. So it's interesting. A lot of regional companies, opera companies have a young artist program and they Mm -hmm. bring in four singers and they stay there and they get to experience things. But our whole company is a young artist program. Okay. So they get real life. (laughs) Isn't that fun? No, that's great. That's what you get to do when, when the, when you get to start over. Yeah. Well, and imagining these programs and looking for, like you said before, identifying a, a mission statement and then being able to pursue it and being able to, frankly, hearken back to it constantly and say, is this, yes. is this our mission? Is this what we're supposed to be doing? Right. That's great. Talk about the show that's coming up this week, Orfe. Orfe is a very old And pronounce opera. the whole thing again for us. Oh, you should be able to do it now. Orfe Eurydice. Got it's it. French, but for all of us that would like a shortcut, we can just say Orfe. Got it. It's a it's story. Good guy loses his bride. Mm-hmm. Very sad. Goddess of love comes down and says, "I tell you what, you can go back and get her. Hope is not lost, and I'm going to let you do that. But here's the rules: you once you're there, you cannot look at her in the eyes. You cannot make eye contact. And let's be clear: what is going going back to get her means going, going to, to the, the underworld, right. the bowels of the spiritual world. Mm-hmm. And so, which is very exciting. It's portrayed really cool in our show. So he goes back, can't help it. She's confused. And he ends up looking at her, and in fact, she dies again because of this sort of Rule curse that was broken. Right. Oddly enough, this opera ends happy. Mm-hmm. The goddess of love comes back and says, "I am so moved by your tears and your love, and the song that you sang to her, which is the most famous song in the in the show, that I will bring her back, and you will live in love and happiness, which and is what everybody wants. He right? Got, everybody gets a do over." <laughs> Yeah, it's the perfect message. And talk about the uniqueness surrounding this production. I know that you guys are working with a company in Toronto, correct? Mm -hmm. Right. So this is a co-production with Against the Grain Theater. It's this smaller but really edgy, cool opera company in Toronto. Okay. And then it's our other co-producer is Banff Center for Arts and Creativity, which is this crazy, explosive, experimental place for artists, all different kinds of artists. And it's in Banff, Alberta, which is the most one of the most beautiful places on earth. So as soon as we're done here, it travels to Toronto and then it travels to Banff. Oh, great. And right. talk about sort of the how the chorus was put together right. and sort of the technical aspects of the show. Okay. Because so it's not a traditional, we're working with really cool people, but it's not a traditional no. opera experience. Correct. Right. Okay. So we've we have manipulated the sound. The chorus, the ballet, the singers, and I'm trying to think what else, the the visual aspect of this opera. So okay. we've touched every area of this opera and brought in a modern sensibility. Okay. So we'll start with the sound. So we took the piece and we have an, a great arranger who added electric guitar. Okay. And synthesizer. And they'll be sitting in with the Columbus Symphony Orchestra. Oh, wow. So that you'll have the beautiful sounds of the symphony. And it will, I mean, Baroque music is so beautiful. Yeah. 
so you'll have that, but then you'll have an electric guitar sounding like an electric guitar. Like okay. it's going to rock out at times. And the synthesizer providing the sounds that you'd hear in a movie theater or on your phone. or So a new audience can come in and say, okay, all of this is foreign, but that... That doesn't freak me out. Right. Or maybe my I know more what that is. Yes, right. My more traditional audience will have to say, come along for the ride, right. which they always do. They're awesome. So that's the sound manipulation. The chorus, we put out an invitation worldwide for anyone to be in the chorus. We gave them okay. instructional videos. You could sit in your sweatshirt in your home or wherever you are in the world and with a computer We teach you the music, you sing into your computer, we capture the sound and the video, Okay. and we have a sound designer and a projection designer who compiles all of that, and you'll be projected, the course will be projected onto the set, so you'll see individual faces. Okay. And all and the some sound, of them in sweatshirts and some of some them, of them in, in sweatshirts and some of them much older, some of them younger, some okay. you know, all different walks of life. Do these tend to be, are these professional singers that some, okay. Some is just Sally Sue in her home in, but is know, Sally Sue a really just naturally talented singer? There are some that were very naturally talented. Okay. There were some less naturally talented. And that's why we have, why we have sound designers. <laughs> that's why we have sound designers. Well, and I imagine, you know, I don't want Sally Sue to feel bad. Maybe her image is there, but her voice is actually not in what the audience is hearing. And she is appropriate for this show completely because okay. we wanted to break down all the barriers. Okay. You're not good enough. You don't like the. You don't look like the right person to be in this opera. You don't look like the right kind of audience member to sit in the, in our seats. Right. All we're just stripping away every barrier we could find. Well, because the chorus. So the chorus in Act Two is all in the underworld, the, the spirit yeah. world, and so they're spirits. Yeah. And then in Act One, what are they just like? Town, are they supposed to be like townspeople or I, this is an aspect of the show I'm not familiar right, with. Right, right. So we have a ballet on stage. Okay. So normally when you have a chorus in an opera, they're actually on stage mm-hmm. as characters. In our case, they're simply projected. Okay. Or they're off stage. They're behind the curtain. Okay. Like, like the great Oz. So of. it is simply <laughs> almost just a contribution of sound rather than. Other than their projected images. They are not necessarily a character. They are in Act Two, but not for the rest of the show. They're never physically on stage. But the, and I'm probably going too deep in the weeds on this. They're representational of spirits in. Yes. Got it. Yes. That's what, It'll be really clear what they are. Got it. What the sound is doing. It'll be really clear. And the ballet company, they're a burlesque ballet company. Okay. If not. Familiar with burlesque? A lot of people think of burlesque and they're like, it's dirty strippers or something. And it's actually, it's an art form. It's beautiful. And they're a ballet company. So you have, and they're a Baroque ballet company. So they have a lot of flavor of traditional ballet Okay. with this hypersensual movement. So company XIV represents Louis XIV. Okay. They're a New York company. They do their own nutcracker. It's called Nutcracker Rouge, which is what I saw. And I, I had to walk around the block afterwards. I was like, this was crazy. Okay. And it must come to <laughs> These people. <laughs> it was so incredible. So they are our ballet company. Okay. One of the artists I saw, her name's Marcy Richardson, and she is playing the character of Cupid. 
Uh-huh. And she is an acrobat, but she's also a professional opera singer. She does both at the same time. And this is the aerialist aspect of the right. show, right? Okay. So she'll be suspended for most of her role, singing and spinning. And it's... Wow. Uh, yeah. It's pretty cool. It's pretty amazing. So you have all this sound. You have the chorus funkiness. You've got the aerial artist. How did the vision... And I know that you're working with, you know, the Banff Center and the Center in Toronto. How did the vision for this show... Come to get, yeah. Who was the crazy person how, that? <laughs> I mean, how how does sort of that come together? I'm right. familiar with a couple of different arts institutions mm-hmm. put you know put a pot of money together in order to have someone put a production together, and then in exchange right. they have to tour that show to those art centers. How did this come together? This came about because I, I, as a performer, would sing a lot in Toronto. Okay. And the artistic director of Against the Grain Theater, Joel Ivany, I have been a huge fan of his work. And we've used it in different ways here, but we never brought him here to, to do a show. Okay. He is also the artistic director of the opera program at Banff. Okay. We have lots of mutual friends. And we've been friends for some time now, years. And we kept saying, we got to find a project. We got to find a good project. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of evolved. And he is close to this piece. I've I've sang in this opera myself. Okay. I really cherish this piece. I find Baroque music is easy to manipulate. And he was more than excited to play with that. And he introduced the sound designer and the projection designer and went to New York and saw the artistic director for the ballet company. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's been years in the making. Okay. So it would evolve. And sort of, it sounds like it's almost like this, we know what show we want to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we know that we've seen doing this thing with projection, with a chorus, mm-hmm. or that may be a wholly new thing, actually. And then, you know, you know that you love the XIV company and like, can we work them in somehow mm-hmm. to the dance aspect of the show and sort of those layers build up, That's right? right? Okay. Every layer costs a little more money. It's a lot <laughs> more complicated and it makes it even more risky. Every layer you add. Yeah. And we always add a layer of risk in every show we do. Right. But never have I added. Not this much. <laughs> oh, my goodness. This is a really tall Jenga really, game. Oh, my gosh. So Joel and I text each other at night. And we're like, man, if we can pull this off. <laughs> this better so, be awesome or oh, I'm blaming you. Please, please. Right. So, yeah, it's kind of scary, this one. Well, that's exciting. Yes. Will there be some documentation of this at some point in terms of like, this is how we did this or a recording because the music is so different? Right. Yeah, there'll be documentation for everything. Gotcha. It's all repeatable. Mm -hmm. And you can go to our website and rent the show. And rent the set, please do. (laughs) Once it's done at Banff. (laughs) That's right. Talk about, grew up in Minnesota. Why did you decide to make Columbus home? Because we were going from apartment to apartment everywhere, San Francisco, New York, San Francisco, New York. Okay. And my oldest... Annie was starting elementary school and we're like, okay, let's hunker down. Let's find a place. Let's not make her adapt to this anymore. Let's adapt to their little worlds. Okay. And the Midwest was great. And their dad got a job at Ohio State University. Okay. And so here we are. And I just needed an airport. So. And we have an okay one. Yeah, it's pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) 
now that you've been, you know, working within the art scene in Columbus, talk about what you, the landscape there, what you see that's going well, what Mm -hmm. are, where are the opportunities for us Mm -hmm. here? So Columbus also is in a very special place as far as art scenes go. It's interesting because, you know, everyone will agree the city's growing, it's booming, it's young, it's, there's tons of opportunity for people that move here. And the arts all got new artistic directors around the same same time. Mm-hmm. A lot of us came on at the same time, the ballet, the symphony, the chamber orchestra, and we all actually were in Juilliard at the same time. How weird is that? Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. That's so right. Edward Liang at the ballet was, was with the ballet company. Rawson was there studying with the symphony. And I was there in that program. Uh-huh. So it's kind of, we're all of the same generation. Right. Kind of. So we started at the same time and it was all of our first times being an artistic director. Okay. We all coming from performing backgrounds. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of hung on to each other for dear life. And I, I think it was the first time I got with Edward Liang, he suggested we collaborate. Okay. And that became a very natural way that the artistic directors work together here. What are we going to do next together? And so that's really special. And growing out of that was the series of Twisted Shows, right. correct? Right. That's right. And then, which we'll oh. link to in the show notes. I don't. We don't have time to get into all of yeah. that. But it's, have us back for that. Yeah. It, are, is there another production <laughs> there coming? There very well could be another production coming. Twisted three. You heard it here first. Something like that. Yeah. Good. Well, <laughs> the second one was Twisted two, right? That's right. Yeah. So were you guys then commiserating about even sort of the? I don't want to call it the gross aspect of your job, but the donor stewardship and the mm-hmm. you know the financial aspect of things and. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not all under sort of the Kappa umbrella, but there's, you know, there's some aspect of that here. Mm -hmm. So that probably, I mean, artistically, it's hard to collaborate as well. Yeah. That's challenging too. So, I mean, anytime you collaborate, it's not going to be a perfect experience. Well, because someone's got to own it, meaning pay for it. And there's compromise everywhere. Right. Everywhere, like every meeting, someone's compromising and someone has to step up. So to have a community that's willing to do that, every meeting is special. So the conflicts are there. They were rampant, you know, everybody's got an opinion too, right? But we get through it. Yeah. And that's what's special, I think. What are the opportunities that you see for Columbus or what do you see sort of coming down the road? All right. So... I'm going to go this route because it's it's happening now, but public funding for the arts mm-hmm. is, is sadly very behind in cities our size. Mm-hmm. So we're working hard and hoping to get more public funding. It will change the arts here for the better if we can manage to do that. I think as young people come move in here or, you know, all the all the new residents of Columbus, you know, getting them into the arts and excited about it and part of it Mm -hmm. is important. So that opportunity, that's huge here. You know, we don't have a city that's necessarily established yet. We haven't defined ourselves completely yet. Right. And what you're talking about in terms of public funding is some of the proposals that are on the table for, what is it, a ticket tax? Yes. Okay. Because there is the bed tax that that partially funds we love GC. The bed tax. We love the bed tax, <laughs> indeed. But also a, a unique thing, and I don't think that a, a whole lot of people realize it outside of 
either your level or you mm-hmm. work in the development office of an arts organization, mm-hmm. we don't have a large, we don't have a lot of old money. Right. And so we don't have a whole lot of old donor base that just sort of has money that wants to have a symphony in town and wants to have an opera company in town. And I know from my time at the Wexner Center, a whole lot of the conversations were about sort of fostering arts patronage in a, in a sense of, yes, you should go, but you should also donate Yes, and making that a norm. And I actually think some of the proposals that are on the table for funding are interesting because they come directly out of people's pockets. And so they know what they're, they're giving, right? It is sort of, you know, quote unquote required, Mm -hmm. but at least they know what it's going back to. Right. So it's interesting. And I'll link to those proposals or, or articles to them in the show notes. Great. Great. Peggy. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me. Of course. Great. Thank you for listening to Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. Again, you can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Please rate, subscribe, share this episode of the Confluence Cast with your friends, family, contacts, enemies, your favorite opera singer. If you're interested in sponsoring the Confluence Cast, get in touch with us. We can be reached by email at info at theconfluencecast.com. Our theme music was composed by Benji Robinson. Our producer is Philip Cogley. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. Have a great week.